District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. More Jewish Americans are deciding to pick up firearms ownership despite being a very reliable demographic for gun control in wake of Hamas's evil attacks on Israel. And that is being noticeably felt here in the United States. To break this down and much more is my friend Yehuda Reamer, who is famously known as the Pew Pew Jew. Yehuda, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Gabby. It's great to be here. Before we talk about this news story, because it is really top of mind, it's very fascinating to see the response from Jewish Americans in wake of Hamas's horrific attacks. But I want my listeners to get to know you more, as I have gotten to know you over the years. What is your backstory for those who are unfamiliar, and how did you take an interest in firearms? Okay, so when I, I grew up in Los Angeles, and I bought my first gun in probably, I think it was like 2010, maybe, give or take. And from there, my parents found out, even though I was married out of the house, my parents found out that I owned a gun, and they kind of went ballistic. Uh, didn't talk to me for weeks, calling me irresponsible. And then... I, I'm sorry, my, my brain's all over the place today. Um, and then from there, um, I decided, you know, if I'm going to be a gun owner, I need to be responsible, as well as teaching my kids how to be responsible around firearms. So I went online to look for a book that I can buy for my children about gun safety. And I was shocked that there was no books on the market for children. So I kind of always enjoyed creative writing. And I wrote my first book called Safety On. It's an introduction to the world of firearms for children. And from there, the rest was kind of just history. What led you in particular to decide to pick up firearms? Was it because of any threats to you personally? Or you just thought, I need to empower myself and protect my family? What was the impetus behind your decision? Like, did you have a personal incident or or something that led you to do? Or you just wanted to preemptively look into protecting yourself and your family more so? I mean, honestly, at the time, and, and, I'll, and I'll be completely honest, um, at the time, it was just freaking cool. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's really what it came down to. I was like, hey, I always thought that gun owners, well, I always thought that guns were only allowed to be purchased or ha- the only people allowed to own guns were bad guys the military and cops. I I was a spoiled LA boy. I never cared for politics. I didn't, especially didn't even know what the Second Amendment was. And then again in 2008, when Obama was running, I started doing some research and I found out that not only you know all, all Jews apparently are Democrats. Um, I found out that not only was I not a Democrat, I wasn't even a Republican. I was like a three percent Tea Party, you know, activist. And it kind of dawned on me, like, holy cow, we, the Second Amendment's there for a reason. But it never, like, it didn't dawn on me, like, oh, I'm going to need this for self-defense or from a tyrannical government. That came a little later. 
uh, as my journey went deeper and deeper into the firearms world that that beca- that came later so i originally bought a gun because i was like hey it, i i enjoy shooting and i think it's just cool so i bought my first gun that was pretty much the same for me my dad uh, when we did our kind of gun journey 7 years ago give or take um in terms of you know like jewish family members of mine i think my aunt has a whole arsenal from her late husband um in her house in los angeles oddly enough so she's always been kind of tangentially supportive of it um i think some of my relatives elsewhere too but even like my more you know religiously inclined jewish friends i i've seen more and more of them um they tend to be more conservative they've always liked guns but i think we're starting to see that even more democrat aligned Jewish Americans are starting to pick up firearms or even people who are apathetic politically. Because if you scan through like any headline and we'll talk more about, you know, what's happening in Israel, but I think the American Jewish committee showed in like a 2005 study that Jew American Jews have the lowest interest and rate of gun ownership among all religious groups. And they say only set uh, 13% of Jewish Americans own guns. And this is from 2005. Of course, I don't know if the numbers have changed, but um, definitely one of the lowest ownership levels of any demographic, any religious group. Why do you think that that's always been the case, even though the history, you know, people's relatives surviving the Holocaust, uh, tolerating escaping pogroms, surviving Stalin's reign of terror, you would think the history would influence, you know, descendants of those survivors and, and even those victims to want to protect themselves because government in those situations came in and terrorized those individuals um, using racist, anti-Semitic, you know, guidelines to influence their decisions and exterminate Jewish individuals, especially in the case of the Holocaust, and almost try to do so in the Soviet Union, too. Um, Thankfully, Stalin died before he could do his own version of the Holocaust. But why do you think, even with that history very evident there, that American Jews have been so reluctant, maybe up until now, until October 7th, to pick up firearms ownership? What, What explains that historical kind of inclination to gun control? outside of uh, democrat so you, politics. Well, well that that's really where it comes down to, right? You you have to kind of go back in history to the early 1800s like you were saying, right? You had the you had pogroms and you had, you know, uh in the 1800s uh, a lot of anti-semitism in Europe. And their idea in Europe was, well, if we fight back, then, you know, the Cossacks for example would hit us back tenfold. So it was easier to just let it happen. It is what it is. It's God's will. We're not going to fight back because one person dies instead of 10 people die. So you had that mentality throughout Europe. And now you fast forward to the early 1900s and you had Jews in America who were, who would vote Republican and Democrat. They, it wouldn't, it was kind of a 50 50. There was no overwhelming. Uh, political side that Jews would pick. Fast forward a little later, you have the Holocaust. And, you know, right before the Holocaust, you had FDR passed the New Deal. The Holocaust happened. An influx of Jewish refugees come over to America with absolutely nothing because of the Holocaust. They now have all these social welfare programs that are giving them a fresh start. And it's like any other people in history, you now become dependent and uh, allegiant to that the group that saved you. 
which was the Democrats. So over the years, a lot of Jews just became left-leaning and democratic. And as the Democratic Party changed, it's like, oh, well, my parents were Democrats, so obviously I have to be a Democrat. So that's really, I mean, obviously there's a lot more to it than, you know, a quick minute and a half uh, clip. But that's really why Jews tend to be more left-leaning. And then all of that factors in also to with guns is that, you know, after the war, you had a lot of Jews who were like, we've seen so much death, we don't want to see another gun in our life. So they become vehemently against guns because they saw the evil that guns can do. Instead of embracing the Second Amendment, and again, this is not a judgment call, right? I had my, my grandfather, my grandparents, they survived the Holocaust. They saw what happened. So it's not a judgment call on anyone, but it's an idea that you saw the evil the guns can do, but you didn't look at the good a gun can do. So they decided that it's we just don't want to deal with firearms. So they became very rapidly, if you will, uh, anti-gun. We see October 7th happen. And I don't know about you, Yehuda, but I've never seen my, let's say, lefty Jewish friends start to reconsider things. And now you see all these headlines, especially with the horrors that have been enacted. Um, even though obviously this happened in Israel, a lot of people here in America, Jewish Americans, and even non-Jewish Americans have friends in Israel, have family members in Israel. They see what Hamas does. And we start to see in response, not only in Israel are more people picking up firearms ownership, even here in the United States, American Jews are responding and seeing the rise of anti-Semitism, seeing all these crazy protests of people openly calling for the annihilation of Jews. And you see headline upon headline. For example, uh, CNN talks about more and more Jewish Americans are picking up firearms trainings in California. I think one shop there has seen a 450% increase in interest in purchasing firearms. Florida, you see so many more Jewish Americans sign up to do gun trainings. California, Georgia, all over the place. So it's obvious that in response to this, this traditionally, let's say, pro-gun control contingent is maybe starting to reassess perhaps their preconceived notions on guns or maybe apathetic uh, individuals belonging to this demographic had said, you know, we we saw what our grandparents went through. They don't want us. They saw the only the bad side of firearms. They never saw the good. But you see a lot of people in kind responding. Um, and you've taken a lot of new people into gun ranges, training uh, fellow Jews of yours uh, to pick up firearms safely. I don't know how many people you've trained since October 7th, but have you, do you see a little bit of a change in that kind of attitude towards guns moving away from, you know, our grandparents, parents experienced the bad. We want to experience the good and prevent this from happening again. Heaven forbid something like this happens. And, and how many people have you trained? Oh, oh God. Um, since October 7th, probably about 25, maybe 30 in the, in the last month. Uh, yeah, probably about around that much. Um, and in terms of, in terms of people changing, I, I don't see a lot of liberal Jews really, uh, changing their minds so much. Uh, I see a little bit, but more, uh, it's more, what I'm seeing is just more like, Orthodox Jews um, who have been not anti-gun, but like, hey, we never, we never had a need, we never had the need to use firearms, or we didn't care about them. 
but now now we do. That makes sense. I think so. I, I do see maybe more so compared to to more Democrat Jews because they're starting to speak out against anti-Semitism on their side politically, but they're not so much, you're right, jumping on board the Second Amendment. I think it's more more so um, American Jews who were maybe apathetic or, like you said, never saw a need to have it. But do you think it could potentially come around to maybe the most ardent, hardened gun control Jewish Americans at some point? Because I, I feel like at some point they're going to have to change their views, especially if they're directly threatened. Um, I, I don't. I, I think the only time we'll see uh, a majority of Jews, and when I say majority of Jews, I do mean you know liberal Jews, conservative Jews, and Orthodox Jews, uh, really change their mind is if you see all of these protests, these pro-Hamas protests that you're seeing around the country, if real violence, and what I mean by real violence is, I know we've seen some violent actions already. Uh, unfortunately, that man, I think earlier this week, passed away from village, these. yeah. Right. You know, um, what I'm saying on a grand scale, if, if, if you see physical violence happening on a grand scale, then um, I, I think you're going to see a, a really big pendulum swing towards the Second Amendment. Uh, I, I still, I mean, I would love to see liberal Jews do it, but I, I feel like a lot of liberal Jews would rather fall in line and say, hey, no, you know, Israel's an oppressive state and, you know, occupiers and stuff like that, rather than, you know, they would join the other side before becoming, accepting their Jewish roots. Uh, and again, that's not a blanket statement. But, you know, you, you do see a ton of, you do see a ton of Jews who are marching with pro-Palestinian rally, at, at pro-Palestinian rallies. So I, I think that it's going to, I think it's going to take a lot because I, I, at this point, I don't think, like, you see people, you see like uh, Palestinians in America and other Muslims in America uh, rallying and marching uh, to be pro-Hamas. And you see them locking arms with Jews who are saying, no, Israel's bad, Israel's bad, right? This is not like Nazi Europe where, you know, didn't make a difference what your political leanings were. A Jew is a Jew and you're dead. So I think it's going to be a different situation, but I think that you are going to see a lot of people on the left join the other side rather than say, no, you know, I'm a proud Jew and and this is unacceptable. That would be a very bad trend to see. And, and that is not to be surprising. I have seen that even when I was an activist in college where they would lock more arms with uh, people who didn't really have their best interests in mind than rather stand for Israel. So that is something to keep in mind. But I am encouraged that at least some are starting to pick up gun ownership. And that leads me to what is happening in Israel itself a little bit in terms of firearms ownership. So compared to the United States, I think we, Guatemala and Mexico, were the only three countries in the whole world of the 190 plus countries around the world that has a Second Amendment. Israel does not. But in spite of Israel not having a Second Amendment, 
It has been reported by our pal, Stephen Gutowski of The Reload, who you spoke about this issue with recently as well. And you also joined Laura Ingram to talk about this in general, um, increase in Jewish ownership of firearms. But they have recorded, even with all the restrictions in place, 150,000 permits (laughs) to carry and own pistols or handguns. What do you think about that or or what is your response to that? And do you wish that in in your personal view that they would have a little more liberalized firearms ownership rules because they they should have a culture that permits easier access to firearms, but you still have to go through so many hurdles, even with all the threats they face from Hamas and from the PLO and their neighbors. Um, Why is it that they haven't reformed their laws? And do you think? I I mean, I can't tell you why uh, they haven't reformed their laws. I think it's absolutely absurd. Um, you're a, a, you know, a tiny little country that's, I mean, I think smaller than Manhattan, I think they say, and you have, you're surrounded by one point something billion people who want to kill you. So why wouldn't you want everyone armed? But their, their laws are incredibly restrictive. Uh, I do believe that even if you even if you apply for a permit now, it still takes a week to get it um, approved. And up until a few weeks ago, you were only allowed to own 50 rounds of ammo at any given time. Um, now they upped it to 100 rounds of ammo, which again is ridiculously stupid. Um, hell, I went to the range last night and I shot over 100 rounds of ammo for my own stash. Like, it's it just, it's crazy. Uh, I know they've been giving out long guns, but I don't know exactly who they're giving them out to. But up until again, two weeks ago, you were not allowed to own a long gun. Uh, no 22s. You know, a, a, everyone in America, well, not everyone, but you know what I'm saying? Like everyone loves the Tavor and the Galil Ace. You can't own them there as a civilian in Israel. You are not allowed to own them. No shotgun. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely absurd, and I think that there is a real case to make that not as many people would have been killed on October 7th if, you know, more people had the ability to defend themselves. Right, if it wasn't a May issue country. Because people look to that and they say, like you, absolutely, and I agree with this viewpoint, that the presence of gun control can worsen the damage and you're right, if more pe- civilians had been armed, perhaps the carnage would have been a significantly a lot less. But I don't think a lot of people knew that this was going to happen. Intelligence failures abounded. Um, there was a lot of different factors at play. But even with the unknowns and, and with the you know failures there for intelligence gathering purposes and, and maybe whether or not you know the government was unaware that this was happening right under their noses, but um, definitely the, the more liberalized laws there would have been we would have seen, you're right, absolutely fewer casualties, definitely. And I, I would hope that, I hate that it comes down to this, that a tragedy would have to inspire change. It shouldn't have to. We should be seeing them go on the offensive and say, you know, we don't want to be vulnerable again. We shouldn't just make it available to people who served in the IDF or IDF veterans. We need to, let's say, de- decriminalize gun ownership in the country or make it easier for our civilians to own firearms because we're in a new age where we have to allow this to happen. We shouldn't make people go through hurdles. I, I don't know what the Knesset is going to do because it seems like they they won't do this. Like what we have here, it would require changing their constitution. 
But I would hope there is an appetite maybe to enact reforms, maybe to add to their constitution saying that we don't want October 7th uh, to happen again. Therefore, we need to amend our constitution to reflect this. Do you think, I don't know how much you can read into Israeli politics, but do you think from people you may be speaking to on the ground or relatives or, or people who work in the firearms industry in Israel, maybe there would be a little bit of an interest in, in perhaps doing this or do you not see that happening whatsoever? I don't. I don't see that hop happening. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, Jews um, could be annoying with this kind of stuff. And what I mean by that is, you have you every time there's been a terrorist attack in Israel, uh, they uh, loosen the gun laws in Israel, um, and then the minute everything goes back to normal, the gun laws go back to the way they were. So. I don't. Uh, who knows if they're going to actually go forward with allowing more people to keep and own firearms? Uh, I, I I don't know. Uh, historically, it's not promising, but you know, uh, it, it will definitely be interesting to see. Um, I think for the time being, it, the gun laws will be lax, and I do believe because. This war is far from over, uh, even if Israel does absolutely flatten Gaza. Uh, I do think that um, if they do flatten Gaza, there will be other Muslim countries who have already said, I think Turkey said that they're at war with Israel, and I think they're going to have Iran. I think there's going to be – I think – it's going to get a lot worse around the world before it gets better. That's a worry that I think a lot of us have. But in spite of all that's happening, I really love your story. Like you're one of the hardest workers in the firearms industry. And I think people should know your story more, but you've published various different books. You've gone to shot shows. You've spoken at different conferences. You've won awards. For those interested in getting involved, whether it could be fellow American Jews or even non-Jews, what would you offer in terms of advice to those individuals who are looking to do that? So I, I really think it, it really depends on on what aspect you want to do. You know, you can if you're going if you want to donate money to you know firearms companies, not companies, sorry, more uh, um, organizations. You know, kind of like. Second Amendment Foundation or Gun Owners of America, you know, those are great companies, organizations, I keep saying that, those are great organizations that are really doing very good work in defending the Second Amendment. Um, that's one way to get involved. But uh, what the, really the best way to get involved, and, and I'm going to just quote my, my, uh, my ride or die, uh, one of my besties, Jarrah Hutchins. Jarrah's awesome. She, Jarrah's awesome, and I absolutely love her. Um, she always says, I've done a few panels with her, and, and she does something that is so brutally uh, fantastic. You know, she, she we're sitting there and chill. There will be a group of two, 300 people, and she says, okay, uh, who here supports the Second Amendment? You know, all the hands go up. Um, then, you know, who here owns a gun? You know, most hands stay up. Who here, who here uh, carries a gun? Um, most gu- hands are going down. She goes, 
who here has a gun on them and is ready? And there's like three hands up. And she goes, this is why we're losing the battle. We're losing the battle because we have the right to self-defense, a God-given right of self-defense, and no one here is exercising that right. So why do you think they keep coming after it? Because the, if we do not exercise our rights, they become vulnerable. And that's how we lose them. And people can disagree. All they want to say, well, rights are right, and we don't have to do it. It's, it's a right. We can do it when we choose to. You know, and 100%, that's true. But if you are not exercising your right, if you are not using the Second Amendment, then why do you expect, how, how do you expect us to defend them? Or defend it. So I, I, that's that's something that I would say is that if people really want to do something, they need to really start getting out there, talking about it. They cannot be afraid of the Second Amendment, um, uh, or, or they can't be. Let me, let me rephrase: they can't be afraid to be vocal about the Second Amendment and their support for it. Um, go to rallies, call your your you know local politicians, your congressmen, your senators, and and put them in their place. I mean, they work for us as much as it doesn't feel like that. They still work for us. So, yeah, I, I think that would be a, a big piece of advice is to actually use your Second Amendment rights. I think that's a good piece of advice. And if my listeners are fascinated by your story, they are a little familiar with you on social media, they want to buy your book, they want to support you because everyone should support Yehuda and his efforts, definitely recommend that. Where would you like to direct them to? Social media-wise, your website, your books, dish all the appropriate uh, links. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, across social media, it's at the Pew Pew Jew. Uh, Don't forget the, and it's P-E-W-P-E-W and then Jew. And then... My website's thepewpewjew.com. Fantastic. We will include all those show notes and everything you discussed. Is there anything my listeners can look forward to before we finish our interview, Yehuda? Anything you want to tease or anything you want to get people excited about that you're undertaking or doing soon? Uh, yeah. So I, I am coming out with a new book next week, and I am incredibly excited about it. So stay tuned. Go follow me uh, on social media. Go uh, sign up to my newsletter on my website, and uh, you will you will find out next week when the book comes in. Um, it is going to be a huge book, it, and honestly, I think it'll be one of the best in terms of firearms industry things. I think it will become one of the best-selling items this holiday season. Again, listeners, check out all the appropriate links follow Yehuda so you could see when his new book and other book previous books uh, come out or have been already listed. Yehuda, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And I want to wish you a happy Shabbat Shalom. Thank you very much, Gabby. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify or wherever podcasts are played. Your feedback will help us reach more people. And I love to know what is on your mind after each episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or a guest announcement because that is our way of updating all of you listeners. And we have just hit a thousand followers on Instagram for the podcast account. 
Thank you very much. And if you have any guest suggestions or topics you want to hear on the show, I'm all ears. I would love to hear your feedback there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. 